Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Own Your Time podcast. I am the host, Kyle Marcotte. Today, we have Derek Loda on the show. Derek has been an active real estate investor since 2015 with experience in acquiring and renovating properties to improve the quality of living for residents while maximizing returns. After working in the golf industry for six years at some of the nation's most highly regarded golf clubs and courses, he decided to focus solely on real estate in 2017. By becoming a real estate agent, in addition to his successful investing career, multifamily investing is his next step as it provides an opportunity to impact lives on a greater scale for residents, employees, and investors alike. Derek is active in both local and online investor communities and a host of the Apartment Investing for Early Retirement podcast. I don't want the weather to dictate whether I'm able to, to go on a family vacation or that stress level. And I was really trading a lot of time for, for money that wasn't getting me to a place that I wanted to be. So I, I made the decision in 2017 that I would work one more year um, and leave in 2018 and, and go all into real estate. I had a uh, duplex at the time that I bought. I, I owner occupied one unit and rented out the other. Um, so I had that, it bought it as a foreclosure, added, added a lot of value to it, was able to refinance and bought a another rental property. And I just decided that I was gonna get my real estate license and just kind of go in for real estate and really wanted to, uh, after I bought my single family property, it's like, this is a lot of work. Started listening to some more podcasts, heard about multifamily. I always thought that you had to with single family duplexes, work up and gradually, you know, 15, 20 years down the road, get some larger properties, you know, maybe a 24 unit, 48, you know, never thought about any of the, the 150, 200 unit properties, but, you know, so kind of, kind of had a little bit of mindset change and it's like, okay, well, I'll get into real estate. I'll be able to focus on that education, learn about what I'm doing and really just focus. There was something that I loved, you know, the more I looked into it, I loved multifamily. I didn't like being a property manager. So I kind of knew that planned ahead and then um, switched out. Yeah. In the fall of 2018 and yeah, wait, 2017, pardon me, uh, <laughs> switched out. And uh, yeah, so been a, a full-time real estate professional for the last couple of years and uh, currently working on, on getting that first multifamily deal had one uh, that we were working on that just wasn't able to, uh, uh, work out, learned a lot of lessons from that. Uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll dig into that, but uh, yeah, sure. so it was great, but yeah, uh, joined up with uh, a mentorship uh, program with Jake and Gino and, you know, got around the community and, you know, looking forward to a big year. Now we, we got in a little bit of a, a potential rut uh, for the time being due to uh, the COVID-19 issue we got going on right now, but it's a great time to continue to learn and build relationships. But uh, that kind of a quick version of what brings me to to where I'm at today. Awesome, man. So I actually really want to dig into the mindset change that you had from single family to multifamily and realizing that you don't have to do single family first, because I think that that's the biggest roadblock for like almost everyone that I talk to. They say, oh, I'm going to do a couple duplexes, some uh, quads, and then maybe work my way up. So I know that you had that shift, but kind of what went about causing that and, and how did you kind of, what do you, how do you see it now and how did that kind of shift? Yeah, I... You know, what kind of led me to it was I, I was being the, the property manager, uh, a semi-maintenance tech. You know, if, if there was an issue, you know, tenant would call. I'd run down and it, it's about 30 minutes from where I live um, is, is the one I had sold the other when I, when I relocated, um, when I switched into real estate. But 
uh, yeah, it was about a half hour away. So I'd, I'd go down there and, you know, say it was a valve for, for, you know, some plumbing issue, not a, a major issue, but you know, valves kind of got a slow leak. Okay. Well, I'm going to run down there. I'm going to check it out. And then I'm going to go and try to get the parts at the store. So I'm going to spend the 40, $50 for the parts. I already spent a half hour to get down there, about another 20 minutes, to a half hour to check it out. 15 minutes to go across town to the store, 10 minutes to find it, 15 minutes back, fix it. All in all, I'm in a few hours and I saved maybe $20 because I was thinking that, oh, I'm, this is how I'm saving money. Well, it's costing me more money once I started looking into it because of the time that I could have spent that onto something else, you know, that's really going to have an end result of much more money or that, that leads me to a little bit more of a lifestyle freedom. I, I'm not a good property manager. I'm a strong team manager. You know, that, that is a position that I, I do great at, but I'm a little too soft when it comes to dealing with, uh, with tenants. Um, <laughs> you know, so it, it's just, yeah, I, I can be a manager, but not a property manager. So looking into that, I was like, well, the cost of, of getting property management, and it was tough to find someone that was really had consistently good reviews for, for how they handle operations of stuff. So the cost would have been between eight and 10%. Yes, I could have afforded it, but then it really kind of changed the whole, the whole breakdown for the, for the returns. And I was just like, ah, you know, I don't know about that. So I still kept managing it, you know, tenant and had been in there for a couple of years. They're great. So they, they've made it quite easy on me, but now, um, you know, I'm in the process of selling that, that, single family that's a, that's a half hour away from me. And, you know, if there's an issue, I would just call someone. I had, a, I found a good plumber. I found a good electrician. Fortunately, haven't had to use, use them too much, but, you know, but in that meantime, it was, okay, how am I going to, to get to a point where, where I'm a business owner, I'm not a property manager, single family, just the scale up and the price that you're paying per unit around here, you can get you know, multifamily properties at say anywhere from 50 to 60,000, um, sometimes more, sometimes less, uh, you know, depending on the property, obviously the market's been, been pretty crazy. It's a little bit tougher uh, to find some deals around my area. So I've since expanded to looking into others, but you know, so say even at 50,000 per unit. Okay. Most duplexes are going for 125,000 around here in that range or more depending. So you're 125 to 170 for most two bedrooms. Okay. Well, you look at that, that breakdown, you know, you're, you're a decent amount elevated from that. You know, you're over 60,000 a unit. It just the price per unit to get, to build up a portfolio and the time, you know, I can do one deal in multifamily that I would have to do, you know, potentially 20 or 30 if I were getting single families or duplexes. So the kind of the mindset, once I started digging into it and really taking a deep dive was just, it's a lot of time for not that much of a payoff. So it's a lot of effort for not as much upside, you know, and, and I really didn't like the, the lack of control that I had where, you know, with, with commercial real estate. So with multi multifamily, you're able to, every dollar that you add to the NOI is going to directly relate to the value, you know? So obviously it depends on what that cap rate is, but say even at a 10 cap, you add $10,000, you know, in NOI, you're adding a hundred thousand to the, the value of the property. You can't really do that with single families and duplexes. Yes. People are going to pay based off of what, what that income is. But when it comes to, 
you know, appraised value. And there's so much more that's out of your control. Yeah, just kind of switching into that. It was gradual. It was that self-education. But eventually I just woke up and I had a message that I needed to run down to the property again. I was like, something's got to change. Yeah, totally agree, man. And I'm, I'm happy that, you, that we've gone over that because I feel like that's the biggest thing. And you realize that, you know, the quality of property managers just isn't there in single family. It costs a little bit too much money. You're giving up 10% of your income, which doesn't, your gross income as well. So that doesn't really make sense. There's a lot of time to do a single family deal and you actually have to do about 30 to make up for a one multifamily deal. So there's a lot of time and not much payoff. And then also you don't control the valuation, as you said at the end there, single families based on comps and comparable properties multifamilies based on NOI and cap rate. So you have a lot more control. Uh, so I totally like that. And now that you are moving into multifamily, I kind of want to talk about that deal that you almost closed and kind of what lessons you learned there. Cause I'm sure there's some gems. Yeah. So I actually, I've been able to have some remarkable uh, response rates on direct mail. I found this deal by sending out a, just a professional letter. It's not, it wasn't a yellow postcard. It wasn't, you know, it was very much uh, a professional letter, you know, letterhead, very formal and how everything is, what we're looking for. So it was in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, which I, I'm located in Appleton, Wisconsin. So if people know uh, where Milwaukee is, you go north and just uh, to the west a little bit. So it's about an hour and a half from Milwaukee and just south of Green Bay. Where I am to where this property was, I had gone to, gone to college at UW-Eau Claire. So I was familiar with that area. It was an 88 unit property, uh, 82 bedroom, one bath units, and then eight, one bedroom, one bath. It was a mom and pop seller. You know, he was looking to gradually start phasing out, getting getting towards retirement there. Got a call back from the letter and just we're working on it. We had it. I ended up uh, getting it under contract for 4.425 million. And uh, so we were working on it, had had reached out to some banks. I had a, I had a, a few um, local partners for it. You know, we were working on it. The, the partner, he had a, a lot of people, he had been doing flips for a few years. So he had a lot of people that he would borrow money from that they wanted to start getting into, into multifamily, you know, have a little bit more consistency in that uh, rather than being so transaction-based lending on, on flips, reaching out to lenders. We had the one that, you know, we were going to be working with. They had lent on a property that was actually across the street. Going through the lender was just a nightmare. The underwriting for the <laughs> underwriters for the lender were a nightmare. We need this. Okay. Yeah. We can fill that piece. All right, you happy? Yeah, but now we need this. Different people were telling you different things that they need. It was just, it was a nightmare. It was, it was a you know semi-local lender, and I think it was just a little bit, a little bit too much for them. I don't think they were as, yeah, they did multifamily, but maybe it was like those sixteen units, and you know, I don't know what there was something going on there, and we just went too deep with the one lender. There were a lot of lessons learned from that. You know, I went into that deal. Yeah, we got it under contract. We will figure it out. Very much not like me. <laughs> Usually growing up uh, was very uh, calculated. My dad's a electrical engineer. So, you know, have that, that engineer mindset of uh, very calculated in a lot of, a lot of aspects, which is, has held me back in ways. And I, I've kind of learned to balance, you know, the, the best of that and also getting out of that comfort zone. But yeah, so I went in and we were going to figure it out. And oh, we were so close, so close. And it just... Eventually the, the seller was like, Hey, I, I just don't think it's in the cards, but it kind of led me to take more action. So I, I went to a couple of events. I ended up joining a mentorship program, you know, after that, but the best thing that happened to me was not getting that deal. It's huge. I, I think that everyone needs to hear that as well as, is, is, is that, you know, failure isn't necessarily a bad thing, right? You, and honestly, it's not even failure because of the fact that you've learned so much and now you're so prepared for this next deal. 
Um, and some of the questions I have for you is where are you getting the owner info for the direct mail? How are you getting their address and piercing LLCs if they're listed as LLCs? With being a, a licensed realtor, have just a program that kind of, it, it basically takes the county tax records and it just brings it all into one site. It tells me the last sale date. Some of it has some information based off of the debt when they last got it. Are they on a five-year, seven-year, 10-year debt? I would usually target stuff that was last sold more than 20 years ago, some of it newer, because I was really targeting those mom and pop owners. It's basically the county tax records to look that in and, and pierce that veil. Some of them I can't yet. Just ha having that realtor's license is, certainly helps um, to make it make it easier. Um, one question I do have is, is Wisconsin a non-disclosure state or do you know? Uh, yeah, so we can get we can get that information pretty easy. So it, yeah, it's pretty readily available. A couple of them, you know, based off of the setup, they might have their different layers for that you can't. But yeah, for the most part, we can we can get that corporate info, and it's pretty easy to find that information. That's huge. So if you are located in Texas, like myself, uh, I believe Texas is a non-disclosure state, so it's a little bit harder to find these tax records, but you can do it. The only issue is when it is under a trust or an LLC, it's a little bit more difficult. But if it's owned by mom and pops, which is what Derek's looking for anyways, you can actually go and find those mom and pop names because their actual first and last name will be on the deed, not their LLC. So you can still find those deals. Um, and that's definitely a great strategy. But if you run the LLC barrier, it's a little bit more difficult than non-disclosure states. Uh, but that being said, what are some of your tips for that finicky underwriter that you came across? Like, How would you navigate that differently now? That's a good question. I think the biggest thing for me was roundabout from it. The way to avoid that was, would be establishing relationships ahead of time. We just waited until we had it, you know, basically had the deal before we really started look, talking to lenders. You know, having a couple of options for your community banks and having your options for some of your bigger mortgage brokers, or if you're getting that agency debt, have stuff lined up so you have someone for some bridge debt, have someone for agency, have your community banks, you know, just because each property might be in a different situation. If you don't qualify for agency debt, that community bank could be more attractive than just doing a bridge lender based off of where we're at in the market cycle. Yeah, it's just really, really setting up those relationships ahead of time would be the biggest piece of advice and having multiple different options. So if it doesn't work for one, it can work for another. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, and then another benefit of joining an education group like the one that we're in, because I actually get most of my uh, non-recourse debt or agency debt from Jake and Gino Mortgage Broker. So that's a huge, you know, from Rand Capital and all that stuff. So just understanding how to build a network and, you know, a lot of Derek's closes that didn't quite happen all led him into joining an education group where, uh, and, you know, a group of people were like-minded, whether that's paying for the education group or whether that's going to a local meetup, just networking with people in your sphere and in your area so that you can actually start to build this team out a little bit. And you don't have to have everything set up, like you said, but it's super important to um, at least know where some of your debt options are going to come from. And, you know, community banks are great. They're a little bit more flexible, which is huge. Sometimes they can't do the things that, that you want them to do as far as size is concerned, but they are really flexible and that's great. And, and a lot of times, you know, especially when you're just starting out and you don't have the credibility that, you know, maybe a Fannie and Freddie are looking for, it can be really great to have a personal relationship with a community bank. So don't completely discount community banks. I know a lot of people who are strictly agency debt, but if it's your first deal and you don't have multifamily experience, it's going to be really difficult for you to get that loan, regardless of your net worth. They really look for that experience partner. But then the last question I have here for for you is, is in regards to your multifamily lessons has been, how do you evaluate an area uh, to invest in market-wise? Where I'm at in, in Northeast Wisconsin, you know, specifically is like the Fox City. So we, we've been a historically very stable market during the last recession. We didn't really see too much change, you know, time on market for, you know, we, we really stay, we don't see those huge, that huge appreciation. We don't see huge drop-off. Looking ahead, I'm looking at that job growth. I'm looking at that population. What is that corporate investment 
in these markets. Amazing, man. So now I kind of want to go into the last round of questions, which is just, what is your favorite book in real estate or business? Favorite book in real estate or business? I really like the best ever real estate syndication book because that's why I'm looking to do that really just broke it down really well, kind of changed that mindset. Again, I kind of go back, I think a lot of people do to the Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Kiyosaki's books, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Fake was another one that kind of changes that perspective. Um, I know I'm just adding up and up and up, but um, and Killing Sacred Cows by Garrett Gunderson. Yeah, that's a great book. And he really breaks down the steps that you need to take. Instead of just giving you a thousand feet view, it'll give you you know some actionable step-by-step process, which I really liked about that book. Um, so where can people find you online if they want to get a hold of you? Um, so you can go to lodarealestate.com, L-O-D-A realestate.com. And my email is D-L-O-D-A at lodarealestate.com. I'm on LinkedIn. Find me on there. I'm, I'm trying to be a little bit more consistent in that uh, interaction on there. Instagram, I, we have a load of properties one. I have my podcast, uh, Apartments for Retirement, Apartment Investing for Early Retirement, which actually everyone should check out uh, interview with Kyle. Uh, he was just on, so that'll be coming out soon. Um, he had a lot of great in- insight on there. As always, if you're listening to this show, you you know the the content he provides is, is awesome. So um, but yeah, Appreciate yeah it. shoot me an email, reach out on, on uh, um, LinkedIn is probably the best couple of routes there. 